Good evening, everyone. Good to have you with us. Good to be back again. Uh, yeah, we've been being gone last week. Two weeks, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're and, gone uh, last week. And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna start tonight with study one forty eight. And uh, if you're new, I, I don't want to scare you, but uh, we've been in this study for a good you long while. One forty seven, though. <laughs> and and uh, but you you can't ever learn too much about what God has left for us to see and to do. <laughs> and uh, I'll just say that for a fact because I've been involved in this since uh, basically since uh, July of 1971. So it's it's. Uh, been a long time, but see, I, I was having a little problem just to go back and reminisce for one minute. I was having a little problem with, uh, with the Holy Spirit is to coming to grips with the Spirit, uh, as to what I needed to do for, uh, for a calling and, and, uh, this, uh, I was going to church for a different reason. I was going to church to be the the manager of the softball team because our church had young men's softball team, and I wound up being uh, asked to be the the uh, manager of the team, and so I was going to church and taking my kids there. My wife was a member there. And I hadn't really come to grips with the Lord yet, but I, I had a lot of understanding and I had to, to give that to my grandmother and grandfather, McCurry, that, uh, I had been provided with the opportunity to be in the scripture quite a lot, but not rightly divided, just knowledge of scripture. And so, I was going home from a, we had a, uh, uh, on a Saturday we had a, uh, a little game to make up for a tournament in Walhalla, South Carolina, and I was doing that, and on the way home was, was when the Holy Spirit won. And going down the road, eyes wide open, I prayed to God and said, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. And I'll do it as long as I live, if you let me. And so I didn't ask him for forgiveness because I knew enough to know that he had already forgiven me of my sins. And so here we are. You know, about 52 years later, 51 or two years later, uh, and, uh, dealing with, uh, some of the greatest, uh, epistles that, uh, was ever written. And this is the last seven epistles of the Apostle Paul. So we're going to start in 1st Timothy again, and we're in chapter 5. Trying to finish up First Timothy, but I'm going to save Second Timothy until I get through Titus and Philemon, and uh, we, we, we'll do Second Timothy last because this is actually the last book that Paul, uh, the last epistle that he wrote, and so uh, we're dealing with Timothy here, and Paul is talking to Timothy explaining to him things that he would need to know because Paul understands that his time is about up. It's about gone. And he's either going to be uh, going to be killed or he's going to die one of the two. He, he knows. He said he's about ready to be poured out in Second Timothy. So here we are. And Paul... He's telling Timothy 
And this is not the first time that Paul has had to kind of get on to Timothy. Uh, but he's telling him about uh, uh, men and women that he's going to meet up with. And the women uh, takes a big portion of 1 Timothy 5. And speaking about widows and women that have lost their husbands and so on that Timothy's going to have to deal with when he gets involved in his study. But as I said, study 148, we start at 13, but I'm going to go back and read you, and we'll read together 1 Timothy 5, 11, and 12 to get to our study tonight because we didn't do it last week, so we might need to refresh ourselves a little bit as to get involved in this. And here he's talking about younger widows, people that have lost their husband maybe in battles or in some ways that uh, the widows were, uh, were were not older. And there was a notice there. It, in 9 it talks about let not a widow be taken into number under three score years. And this was uh, that the assembly was going to generally take care of a widow or maybe even the uh, she might be living with her son or her daughter and their family and she might be teaching the kids what the parents should be teaching the kids uh, and so there's lots of things that this covers in, in here and we certainly can't look at every situation for every time, but here we go. We're going to read 11. Start with 11. Said, but the younger widows refused, and he don't mean, and that didn't mean to. Uh, uh, he talks about not receiving them in the ministry, not to just pass them off and say, well, you do what you can to make it go. And so this this was a, a kind of a tough word to deal with when we look through the scripture. It says, For when they have begun to wax on against Christ, they will marry. So you're talking about a younger woman that's still in her, what we call her prime, I guess. And, and she may have had a husband that was... Uh, a believer. She could have been a believer or she could not have been a believer. And, uh, and Paul is telling Timothy here, said, uh, you know, refuse is not a good word, but said, you know, they got so much going on there in their life. They may just leave Christ out of the picture for a while and, and try to get married again. And so this is what, basically this is what we had and what we talked about. And it said, having damnation because they've cast off their first faith. Well, you know, God requires a vow. And every marriage should be taken with a vow that you promise and, and your partner promises. And, and that's the way God works. When he gives information or wisdom to someone, and, and I, and I, when I started this whole thing 148 times ago, I called it wisdom because God does give us wisdom. When He speaks, He He speaks and He means what He says, and uh, and so we just. We just kind of regurgitated a little bit and, and go on with it. But it said, if, if rather than following Christ and they want to get married, they, they're kind of going to get involved again with a, with a new partner. 
and it said that they may, they may have cast off their first faith. And uh, so Paul was trying to be to Timothy a good instructor, and this is what he's instructed Timothy to do. And now 13 is starts our study tonight. And I'm going to do like I've been doing. I'm going to read it to you in in the King James Version, the Bible. I'm going to read you my notes. Then I'm going to read you Jack Everly's notes that he put in. He, he done a workman's interlinear. And this workman's interlinear, there's a copy of it in the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. You don't find many religious books or stuff related to people's beliefs in the Library of Congress because that was a kind of a no-no in the time that it was all instituted because the church and state was supposed to be separate. Okay, so having said that, we're still going over this thing here and we're going to pick up with 13. It says this, And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. So if you kind of lay Christ down and you take up something else, then that's going to fill the void. And they didn't even have social media. No. <laughs> Think how bad it is. <laughs> and so, you know, and so if if they're there, uh, it's the choosing of their own to do that. So here we are, thirteen. Now we've read it in the King James version, and I'll read it to you uh, with my notes, and then we'll pick up Jacks and and pull that down from the Koine Greek into. What we can read, because I cannot read Koine Greek. But in Jack's interlinear, the way it's written, it's converted from the Koine Greek. But if you could read Koine Greek, you could read it right straight off his page. Because his wife was a good typist. And she had a, she had a typewriter or some kind of thing that could change the wording there into the Koine. And so 13 says this. In my notes, and with all, and I'll say, well, within all this, they learned, talking about these young widows, they gained the ability to fulfill the time, to be idle. That's what the word says. Okay? Uh, to be idle. Wondering. Well, to be idle is careless or useless in Scripture. Sounds kind of like they're loiters, loiterers. Yeah, they <laughs> loiter around. And they they just they just fulfill their life with what they've got. Biding their time, so they yeah. Okay, wandering about without direction from house to house, and not only idle. But tattlers, and tattlers there is 5397, the number is in the Greek, in the Strong's Concordance. It means to babble, uh, a gorgeous person, a carrier of falsehoods. Also in busybodies. So, uh, Paul goes on and calls them busybodies also, speaking that which they ought not uh, is what they would call busybodies. Okay. Speaking things which they ought not. And, and people that don't really have a lot on their mind can really carry on stuff that lots of times we don't need to hear and listen to. Okay, that's my notes. And we've got two or three places we want to look at, but let's look at Jack's now in, in verse 13 here in the workman's interlinear says this, and this is down from the Koine Greek. 
And it'll be a little bit different from what uh, you read in the in the King James Version. It says, withal and also idle, they learn going around to the houses, not only but idle, but rather also tattlers. And busybodies speaking things not all. Now that's the way it comes down out of the Koine Greek. Now, I'm going to read it to you in the uh, latter uh, version in the English. And withal also they learn to be idle going around to the houses and not idle only, but rather also tattlers and busybodies speaking things they ought not. So this, this is fairly close to what we read in the King James Version. And then here's what Brother Jack said about it. Brother Jack died a couple of years ago. And he lived in West Virginia, back out in the sticks. Yeah. I, I mean, really in the yeah, sticks. We, we went there one time. And, uh, and he was a good man. And he probably said the same thing about West Virginia. Yeah. Well, Jack 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 graduated from Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. And I'm not going to hold that against him because he he did get away from that for sure. So here's what Jack said in his notes. This is a continuation regarding the women who may turn aside from the Lord and his people. They are not concerned with the truth of the word, but have other interests. They idolize their time. That is, they major in being idle, shunning godly pursuits. They keep their time to themselves and decide to spend it and deny to spend it in his work. Rather, they traipse around from house to house. I thought traipse was a pretty good word. Uh, <laughs> wherever they can that's find... That's a West Virginia word. <laughs> yeah, that's a good old... Uh, it could be a southern word. Wherever they can find a fellow idler to make up tales and speak things, they often do not know. And sometimes even make up. Being attracted to others of like mind, they spread each other's tales. God does not approve this. And it said, see John 3, or 3 John 10 and 2 Thessalonians 3.11. And he, he doesn't always give a scripture to look at, but most times he does. And the scripture and the verses of Scripture in the Bible that he don't give us is generally negative, negative understanding. And this is kind of negative, but it, he says that this is what we ought to look at. Okay, so let's go first to Second Thessalonians, which if you have a companion Bible, it's on page 1798 but I don't know what kind of Bible you got but I'll just give you what I've got so Second uh, Thessalonians 3 and we're going to look at 10 verse 10 through 14 and uh, it says this for even when we were with you This we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. 
And if any man obey not the word by this epistle, note that man, and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Now, we've read that one. So let's go to third, third John 10. And that's on page 1880 if you have a companion Bible. And, uh, let me go. I got it marked here. Mine with a, well, I thought I did. Yeah. Okay, we're going to look at third John 10. We're going to look at the, it says 10 and 11. Third John 10. 10 and 11. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, praying against us with malicious words, and not content. Therewith neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, that would, and casteth them out of the church, or the assembly. Beloved Father, not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, and he that doeth evil hath not seen God. So, uh, this is another little judgment call here that uh, John was giving to his uh, people at that place and at that time. Okay, so we're going back to... First Timothy 5 again. That was verse 13. Now 14 has got a pretty good little bit of scripture. And so we'll dig right into that and go on with that. So after 13 we get to 14. We'll go back to the King James Version. It said in 14, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. So, when you see the word will or wish, uh, you need to look at that pretty closely. And he says, I will. Will there, if you look at it in the back of your Bible, or I, I didn't put the, the appendix number there, but here's will or wish. And will is this, a wish of a result or desire, whether in accordance or to be contrary to the original wish or impulse. And then the word therefore comes up. I will therefore. So therefore is because of this. That the young, younger women marry. Take the vow. Bear children. And children there is technogonil in the Greek. Bear children. Guide the house. And this is, is 3616 in the Strong's to guide. And it is to rule the household. That's what it means. Guide the house. To rule the household. And give no one occasion. As do not give any occasion or any opportunity to the adversary. Well, who's the adversary here? The adversary in the, in the Greek is number 480 in the Strong's. And that means to lie opposite 
to be contrary or to oppose. So do not give occasion. So don't, don't be lying around looking for something or something that you shouldn't be involved in. You shouldn't be contrary or you shouldn't oppose, uh, whatever's going in your household. You should be a mate rather than, than somebody that's on the other side. And that's to speak reproachfully. That's, now this one is, uh, one that we're going to look at in a little bit too, but to speak, to speak reproachful, that is to defame, to rail at, to taunt, to revile or upbraid. So, any of this is the adversary. That's something where you, uh, if you're speaking uh, reproachfully, you're getting involved in these things here that should not be done. Uh, if you're a ruler of a household where there may be children or may not be children, whether your husband's there or whether you're living with someone else. And so, uh, Jack gives us 15 in his book, and we'll go ahead and read it like we always do. Or 14, I'm sorry. And out of the Koine Greek, it says this in 14, I will therefore younger to marry, bear children, rule the house, no occasion to give to the adversary of revealing on account. So that's what it comes down from out of the Greek, Koine Greek. And here is the the more recent version uh, in the English. I will therefore the younger to marry, to bear children, rule the house to give no occasion to the adversary on account of reviling. And so the word for will there, Jack says, has to do with the mind rather than the desire. It seems to be the best idea for the younger women to marry, to have children, and to rule the home. That's that, that was the basic of the day. If the women have their energies employed in the rightly manner, they will not give Satan anything for which to revile the body. And talking the body there is talking about the body of Christ. And then, yeah, four or five things that Jack wants us to look at there in First Corinthians. But it starts in John and Acts and Corinthians and then First Peter. So we've got five things to look at there and we'll go ahead and look at that. Okay, so uh, let's go back... Uh, Let's go back to the book of John. And we're going to look at John 9. We're going to look at verses uh, 24 through 33. Go so back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John 9, I said. Yeah. I'll find it in a minute. The cat got into my Bible one time and I kind of got John 10 messed up a little bit. So John 9, let's see, that's on page 
24. Okay, yeah. I'm going to look at 24 through 33. And that's on page 1541, if you have a companion battle. It says, Then again call they the man. Oh, we're talking here about where Christ healed the man that was blind. And it's been said in Scripture over and over that the true Christ can heal the blind man. And when he did, there was questions. And the ones standing around wondered about this. And, you know, this is a, something that you find there's naysayers and everything. And, and so this is what they were saying. Therefore, said, his parents, when they asked the question, he is of age, ask him. He's 30 years old. Go ahead and ask him. Yeah, he's a full-grown man. A full-grown man, according to, to the Jewish law. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He said, you know, if you can see again, you give God the praise. And we, we don't know this dude, you know. He's a sinner. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not one, but one thing. I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. And they said unto him again, what did he, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you do not hear. Full stop. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake to Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. <laughs> well, they just, they've reeked of arrogance, didn't they? Yeah, boy. And 30 says this, The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. He'd get more sense than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he's, he's been laying there getting help from the people that, uh, is coming and going. And now, boy, he's in a, he's in a good position himself. So he can get pretty bold here. Now, we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. What a testimony of a blind man that just got his eyesight back. Yeah. He could see better blind than he, the rest of them. He made all of, he made all of them look bad. All of them. And that's not what was really meant to be. He wanted them all to see what now he could see. Okay. So here we go. Let's go from John to Acts. We're going to go to Acts 23. To Acts 23. But I thought that was so good to read that that... uh, You know, a lot of times, that's what Scripture gives you. It gives you a perspective of somebody that you wouldn't think knew, that, talking to somebody that thought they knew and didn't know. That That's the difference. 
That's the difference that we need to look at here. Okay, Acts 23. We're going to go from verse 2 to verse 7. 23-2. And, and this was Paul uh, talking. He was before... Uh, uh, the council and he said and the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth this was uh, when Paul was speaking to the council and uh, they thought it, they, he, he had uh, was given Ananias the Respect that he ought to have as being the high priest. And the high priest commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thy whited wall. For sittest thou to judge me after the law and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law. And they that stood by saying, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I wish not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people Israel. And I added Israel there, but that, it should have been put there. But when Paul perceived that one part was Sadducee and the other part Pharisee, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called into question. And when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. Well, if if Paul could do one thing in his life, he knew how to divide up a group of people that believed different things. And so a Sadducee and a Pharisee didn't didn't believe the same things. You see, a Pharisee believed in in the resurrection, uh, the hope of the resurrection of the dead. He said, "I'm called into question here," and he didn't have to go on and and finish that with. Uh, with that, because the Sadducees knew that they didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in, in all this stuff. So, my question is, well, why was they on the council? But yet, nevertheless, everybody, it was a kind of a cross, a cross reference to those people of Israel. Some believed and some didn't believe. And so this was the way the council was made up. You had the Pharisees. You had the ones that believed in God. You had the Sadducees, people that didn't believe in God. And well, so they believed in God, but they, they believed in God, they but didn't they didn't believe in, believe in all the things that went with it. Yeah. But that's that's the situation, you know. And so you find that with the Israelites, wherever they grouped up together. They were some believed and some didn't believe because it just changed. And Paul used that to his advantage. And he always did. And it was always okay with God. It was not a problem with God because he knew about this. And he knew about all of that. Okay, we got through Acts. Let's go to the first place. In 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4. And we're going to look at uh, uh, 11 through 14. Page 1702 if you have a companion Bible. 11 through 14. And Corinthians was written by Paul, but he, it was written earlier, of course, earlier than the last seven epistles. And first and second Corinthians were 
written for correction, for uh, correcting the Corinthians in what they believed and how they believed. And he says in 11, Even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it, being defamed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the world and are the outscourging of all things unto this day. And Paul says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I want to warn you. I warn you with this. So, not only did he suffer these things, but many of the others in that day suffered these same things too. So, uh, he's giving them an upgrading here as to what they should know in that situation. Okay, now, we're going to turn a page or two, 1706, and we're going to take up in chapter 7, we're going to take up another part of this, and we're going to look at verse 8 through 11 of chapter 7 of First Corinthians. 8 through 11. 1 Corinthians 7, 8 through 11, it says, I say, therefore, to the unmarried and the widows. Okay, this directly goes back to what we have been reading about here, to the unmarried and the widows. It says it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. And so he said, I'm not speaking for myself here, but I'm speaking for the Lord. Okay. Let not the wife depart from her husband. But and if she departs, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. Full stop. And let not the husband put away his wife. You remember when uh, when baby Jesus, baby Jesus was a one-cell individual placed in the womb of Mary and the angel had to tell Joseph what had happened because he didn't want him to put Mary away because she contained the Son of God in her body at that time. So you see, you see the importance of knowing, and God don't leave true knowing to just anybody, but in a situation like this, this knowledge was real knowledge. It had to be understood at that point. So, but again, you know, you talk about the married, the unmarried, the, the ones that uh, are going through life without reason and rhyme, and and here we go with that. Okay, we got one more place to look at. That's on page eighteen fifty nine. If you have a companion Bible, we're going to look at First Peter three and read from verse eight through sixteen, and. Uh, Eight, First Peter three, and we're going to look from what did I say eight through sixteen. It's on. If you have a companion Bible, it's on one page or the other part of it. It says finally, eighteen fifty nine here. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one to another. Love his brother, and be pitiful and courteous. Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that ye are therefore called, that you should inherit a blessing. 
For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. You know, we were talking in our, our normal scripture there in First Timothy 5 about being busybodies, tattlers, and all this. Well, this goes right on through that. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Verse 14. <clears throat> but and if you suffer for righteous sake, happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so that's the verses that Jack wanted us to look at in verse 14. 15 and 16 really doesn't have uh, any verses to look at because it's kind of a negative ending for what is being written about this uh, these, these young women that leave Christ behind and take up a new husband or whatever and so the way the way this is is written in First Timothy, verse fifteen and sixteen kind of go together, and it ends with that section because it starts with something different in verse seventeen. So we're going to do fifteen and sixteen tonight, and then we'll we'll stop and pick up with seventeen later on and. And go on toward the end of the fifth, fifth chapter here. Okay, back to First Timothy five fifteen. It said, "For some are already turned aside after Satan." Talking about the young women, and fifteen says, "In in my notes for younger widows." Uh, some are already turned aside, and uh, that word "some" there is—you uh, can find the results of that in Appendix 124.4 in the back of a companion Bible, and uh, it means others or certain ones. It says in 15:4, some. And this son is others or certain uh, young women, not all, but some are already turned aside after Satan. And I'll read you what it says in Jack's uh, interlinear here out of the Koine Greek. It says, already for some are turned aside after Satan. And that's the same thing in the more modern English. Now I'll read what Jack wrote. It says, For the unread, simple, and knowledgeable, it should be understood that these fears have already occurred. Therefore, the carefulness in flesh is not unwarranted. Others have already given Satan occasion to revile in their defeat in the faith. We would be negligent if we hid our face from the truth of the fear. To avoid uh, future occurrences and trouble, 
for the weak in the faith that is only wise. Jack says, stay alert, you believers. Uh, to us who believe and who are looking at this right now, Jack says, stay alert. Don't fall into these traps that you see here. There's one place that I want to ask you to go to. Now, Jack didn't do it. This is my own. But I want to turn back, turn back with me two or three pages to 1 Timothy 1. And we went over this uh, several studies ago. But we're going to look at 1 Timothy 1, 6. Here. Or 5 and 6. It says, well, Paul was saying something here about a commandment. Maybe we ought to go back to three. It says, I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went to Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. That's what Paul sent Timothy there to do. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith. That is another full stop there, and it says, so do. Now, the end of the commandment is charity, or love, out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. And it says in one Timothy 1.6 For which some have swerved having turned aside unto vain jangling desiring to be teachers of the law understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. So He sent Timothy there to straighten them out, but he's also given Timothy the words to do it with. That's pretty plain, pretty simple in that situation there, in that little verse that we read in 15. Now let's do 16 and we'll, we'll close for the evening. Looking at it in the, in the King James Version. And this is kind of strange too because it's not really, it's a little different from the way that it comes out of the coin eight Greek. It says, if any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them and let not the church or the assembly be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed, that don't have any way of taking care of themselves. Means of support here. So, here's here's my notes on this. And I don't know where my notes is going to clear it with you or not, but I'm going to read them anyway. And I'm going to look at it this way. If any believer has a believing woman he should set aside relief. And we can go back to verse 10 and read that if you want to, but you can read it yourself at some point. And let not the assembly be charged that it, the assembly, may relieve or see to the needs of them who are widows indeed. And that says, See verse 3. And you go back to the top of the page. If you have a companion Bible, and verse 3 says this, Honor widows that are widows indeed. That's widows that have lost their husband and didn't have the funds or the abilities to take care of herself. And so she had to move in with someone else. This must have in this day been a really serious. Paul devotes a lot of scripture in First Timothy to the 
deal with witnesses. With, with them and with what the assembly or your your and who should be doing what? Yeah, yeah, these, yeah. Uh, the King James Version says church, yeah. but I like to use assembly. Assembly is a better word. Assembly is <laughs> is a better word. Yeah. I learned that uh, in our wow. last conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with with uh, so I'll read you sixteen and then we'll go home. Sixteen out of the Koine Greek says. If any believer have widows, okay, that agrees with what I said. Let him give relief to them and not let the burden, not let be burdened to the assembly that to the intent that widows, it may give relief. So the assembly's probably had enough problems with the widows that didn't have anything and if a widow had something and her husband had it rather than it go somewhere else it should be hers and so that would relieve the, the assembly from having to keep her up from scratch you know in that situation okay and out of the the goes down to the more modern English if any believer has widows, let him give relief to them, and let not the assembly be burdened, that it may give relief to the widows indeed. Okay. And it says this, Jack's notes, it says, If one who heads up a household has a widow in that household, he should take responsibility for that widow. That lady should be regarded as his responsibility. So if it's your son, I mean if, if the mother, if the woman has family and the father dies, then the son needs responsibility there too. Okay. In this way the assembly may be able to serve more than of those who have the need. The widow indeed are those who have no other recourse. So that's what verse 3 meant. Honor widows that are widows indeed. They didn't have any other place to look to to get help for their life. And so, this is something that Paul is leaving with, with Timothy here when he gets off of this subject because we're going to another subject starting in verse 17. And it's going to run into chapter 6, the last chapter of First Timothy. Oh, here we go. Did I go over my time limit much? That's three minutes. You know, 9.33. Okay. So, there we are, folks. We've, we've got down through 16 taken care of. And that pretty much concludes the... Uh, the widow business here that that uh, Paul knew that Timothy was going to get involved with. And so we'll uh, get on another subject matter a little bit uh, about elders and their charge and if they have bond servants. Because bond servants is kind of like widows. They ain't got no other place to look to. So... Here Paul is going, kind of trying to cover all, all the aspects of. Well, he knew all this was going to come up. What Timothy yeah. going to get involved in? Well, yeah, they had been in the, they had been in the service much longer than Timothy had. Yeah. So that, that's the situation here, <laughs> and you know it's it's not something that. How can I put it? It's something that needs to be known. But it's something that a lot of people just shun or don't talk about. And just because it's out there, it doesn't mean you ought not to, to uh, take it on. If you're, if you're a Christian in good faith, you need to take your responsibilities on, all of it. You see, Christ didn't leave any responsibility to man. He took all of it on the cross. 
All of it. All of it. And so, therefore, we need to kind of look at it that way, too. So, don't say, well, I sat here and listened for an hour. He didn't give me much information, but there is a lot of information there, and, and we need to take heed to all of it. So, thank you for being with us. Thank you for uh, intently being involved in our study, and, and we'll continue on. And thank you for your time and for your love because it's never wasted. Time in God's Word is never wasted. Amen. Thank you very much, and we'll hope to see you again next week, Lord willing.